RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The top stories. It's the end of an era as the Civil Human Rights Front calls it quits after 19 years of organising protests. But the police reiterate that the Front and its members will not avoid criminal liability simply by disbanding. And the financial chief says those who want to destabilise the SAR will try to exploit a new anti-sanctions law. Just days after the Professional Teachers Union announced its dissolution, the Civil Human Rights Front, the organiser of some of Hong Kong's largest protests, says it's also disbanding. It says it can no longer operate in the face of what it called the suppression. Joanne Wong reports. In a brief statement, the Front accused the government of repeatedly using the pandemic as a pretext to reject the Front and other organizations' applications to hold public rallies. It said the member groups were suppressed and civil society faced unprecedented challenges. The statement said the group had wanted to maintain its original operations, but since its convener Fiegel Chan was in jail and no one had shown interest in taking over, the Front had no choice but to disband. It said representatives of its member groups attended a meeting on Friday and had unanimously decided to dissolve. The Front thanked Hong Kongers for walking side by side with the Front over the past 19 years. The decision comes two days after the police chief, Raymond Hsu, said the force would investigate the Front for possible national security violations. The police said in a statement that disbanding a group or resigning does not erase any crimes committed. They said they would look into potential breaches of the society's ordinance and any group's violation of the national security law. Ivan Choi, a political scientist from Chinese University, says the decision to dissolve the group marks a turning point for Hong Kong. He says it's hard to envisage any large-scale rallies in the near future and he expects more groups to follow suit. Although they give some official reasons, but we know that it is a logical result of the continuous harsh comments from the official media and also the warnings given by officials like the management of the police force. And I think as a result, they receive a lot of pressure. It is not an isolated event because we see that, okay, for example, the Professional Teachers Union, it has also chosen to dissolve. And so we may expect that more and more civil society organizations may choose the same role. Financial Secretary Paul Chan says he expects some people to try to use the introduction of the anti-sanctions law to weaken Hong Kong's status as an international financial hub and destabilise the market. He's urged people to brace themselves for the risks. Maggie Ho reports. Writing in his blog, the financial chief said the authorities will thoroughly consider Hong Kong's situation when they implement the law here, but predicted that some people might use the legislation as an opportunity to speculate. He said they would try and weaken Hong Kong's status as an international financial hub, undermine Hong Kong's business environment, or even destabilize the market and take advantage of it to benefit themselves. He urged the public to be vigilant and aware of risk. The National People's Congress Standing Committee will reportedly discuss introducing the mainland law to the SAR, but it's unclear how it will be done. Meanwhile, the financial chief said the government expects the SAR's unemployment rate to drop further as domestic consumption grows. He also said the government is adjusting its growth forecast for this year to 5.5 to 6.5 percent, but added that much will hinge on the pandemic situation in Hong Kong and the rest of the world. 
The police have arrested three people for allegedly forging identity cards and offering fake COVID-19 vaccination records for sale. Sean Kennedy has details. Police say they arrested a woman who's a cleaner and her 14-year-old son after they allegedly passed documents and money to a photo printing shop in Kowloon Bay. They said a worker at the shop was also arrested. Police said they seized fake COVID testing certificates at the shop, along with counterfeit medical documents excusing the holders from COVID jabs on health grounds. They said the suspected forged documents were sold for $600 apiece to people who said they needed them to look for jobs. A police spokeswoman warned that forgery carries a maximum penalty of 14 years in prison. A spokeswoman added that employers and the public can use two mobile apps developed by the government to scan the QR code on the vaccination records to check if they're genuine. To the weather forecast, mainly cloudy with a few showers. It'll be hot with sunny periods tomorrow. Temperatures in the region of 28 to 32 degrees with moderate southerly winds. Currently the observatory, it's 27 degrees Celsius, relative humidity at 92%. You're listening to RTHK. The time's exactly five minutes past 11. Turning overseas, the Taliban says they want to take control of Afghanistan in the next few days as their fighters surround the capital, Kabul. The Afghan government says negotiations have been taking place to ensure a peaceful transition of power. The militants have been told by the group's leaders not to enter the city. A Taliban spokesman, Suhail Shaheen, said the Islamists weren't seeking revenge and would be prepared to work with the current president, Ashraf Ghani, if he accepted Taliban rule. We want to avoid bloodshed and to destruction of uh, properties of the people and to not give chance to plunderers, looters who are uh, waiting for such movements to loot or plunder uh, the properties of the people or to harm, violate the honour of the people. However, reports from Kabul in the past hours say President Ghani has left the country. Some reports say he's heading to Tajikistan. At the Vatican, Pope Francis said negotiations were the only way to ensure that what he called the martyred population of Afghanistan could live in peace and security. I unite myself to the situation in Afghanistan and I ask that you pray with me to God, to the God of peace, so that the sound of the arms might cease and that solutions might be found at the table of dialogue. Anti-government activists in Thailand are staging a demonstration to demand the resignation of the Prime Minister Prayut Chan-ocha. Convoys of cars are converging on several locations in the Thai capital, Bangkok, to protest about the government's handling of the coronavirus pandemic and its impact on the economy. Rescuers in Haiti are searching for survivors of Saturday's huge earthquake that killed more than 300 people and injured at least 1,800. The 7.2 magnitude quake struck southwest of the Caribbean country and was followed by a major aftershock overnight. More details from the BBC's David Willis. Pictures posted on social media show collapsed buildings and people frantically trying to pull friends and loved ones from the rubble. Haiti's Prime Minister Ariel Henry said the disaster had claimed lives in various parts of the country. For a nation that's been in the throes of a political crisis since the assassination of its president five weeks ago, this disaster could hardly have come at a worse time. Jovenel Moise's murder created a leadership vacuum which many in Haiti believe has left the government ill-prepared to deal with a calamity of this kind. 
to sport and a busy weekend of English Premier League action has continued this evening, with West Ham twice coming from behind to win 4-2 at Newcastle. The big match of the night kicks off shortly as champions Manchester City travel to Tottenham Hotspur. The England captain, Harry Kane, is deemed not fit enough to feature for Spurs, amid speculation linking him with a move to City. Supporters have been filling stadiums around the country for the first time in more than 18 months after a relaxing of coronavirus restrictions in the UK. Among those revelling in the atmosphere was Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp, whose side won 3-0 over top-flight returnees Norwich at Carrow Road. The crowd was obviously on the side of Norwich, uh, which gave them a boost, um, and we had to find a little bit away in the game. But we found it, scored three really nice goals. I liked them a lot because we forced them and... Apart from that, control the game really well. Um, and it's a good start, not more, but um, I don't want to make it smaller as well. One of Germany's greatest ever footballers, Gerd Muller, has died at the age of 75. Muller, nicknamed Der Bomber, terrorised defences both for his club Bayern Munich and the national team in the 1960s and 70s, breaking a slew of records. The BBC's Alex Capstick looks back at his life. Gert Muller's great gift was the ability to score goals, often out of nothing, nearly always from inside the penalty area. Small, stocky and strong, he could twist and turn away from defenders, creating space for a shot which was consistently accurate. For his club, Bayern Munich, he topped the league's scoring charts in seven seasons and his 68 goals in 62 internationals for West Germany is a remarkable tally. And to end the news, the top stories once again. It's the end of an era as the Civil Human Rights Front calls it quits after 19 years of organising protests. But the police reiterate that the Front and its members will not avoid criminal liability simply by disbanding. And the financial chief says those who want to destabilise the SAR will try to exploit a new anti-sanctions law. The news from RCHK. Kicking it off with one of Toto's 90s hits, The Energetic on the Run.